0: Uh, it's Excalibur and New Mutants.
1: Okay. Oh, that gross cover. Not a lot of things gross me out, Jeff. That New Mutants cover is
0: gross. Is it the teeth? Is it the idea of plaque?
1: It's, yeah, it's like the idea of humans as plaque.
0: Uh, Welcome to a Perfectly Acceptable Podcast, episode 183. It's a comic book podcast, where every Tuesday we get all the comic books for our comic shop that we own. And uh, and then we bring those books to the comic shop and read them. That's it. we read them. We do that. <laughs> and and here we are. It's Tuesday morning, and we've read them all. That's not it. That's not exactly how we do it. We pick them all up, then we bring them back to the shop and have our glorious new comic book Wednesday. And then we do our podcast. Enough. After we roll around in them. I do say that a lot about it. That's weird. <laughs> um, yeah, I did that. Thank you, everyone. I'm Jeff. And what has just happened has totally removed my ability to do the bit that I was going to come in hot with. So there we go. I'm Django, and I'm a bit ruiner. No, 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 no. It's not your fault. It was I got in my way. Oh, you got in your way. I was going to say like, hey, Django, you know, I finally did it. I'm finally here relaxed you know like i'm not worried about professionalism we've got this i'm not even stressed about it or running over time or what i'm going to edit out or keep a track of it this is old hat oh you only took a no well (laughs) as of the 20 minutes that we've been on the phone call before this but i'm finally good at this and you know it only took 182 times relatively 182 no probably more like 300 hours of that, doing this. I think
1: I think it's probably more like 10,000 hours over the course of 182 episodes
0: it's been a lot it's been a lot of hours what you just said made me think about factors of 10 which has a big part in decorum this week and I can't wait to talk to you about that That's but right.
1: well, let me surprise you Jeff because it's a sorpresa a little
0: a little, uh, a
1: little inside baseball here oh that I don't know if our viewers and readers know but uh the last few weeks we've deviated from our normal scheme of jeff kind of choosing the order with some input and he just says django choose the order and i have to i have to come up with something that i think will be interesting and flow well
0: well um, yeah and there's no reason for me to have ever been doing that you know no no
1: but i think you were great at it But I think
0: uh, we can all agree the flow has been better the last couple of weeks. And I think we can definitely agree that tonight's flow is going to be the top of the mountain. I think you're Uh, right. And next week, it's going to be straight alpha. Yeah, Um, (laughs) I like that. That's the kind of thing that you would do, though. You're like the Eric Larson of anything. You're like, I'm just going to do all one-page images this week, or (laughs) all number alpha, or all chronological lowest numbers to highest. Like, that's a Django thing.
1: Sort it by barcode. Oh, see? Uh, This week, we're going to talk about Batman number 92, Nightwing number 71, Daredevil number 20, Ice Cream Man number 19, Decorum number two. Then we're going to have a little uh, X Men party with 30. New Mutants number 10 and Excalibur. Yeah. No. No. Excalibur number 10.
0: So we know who um, read that one. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Adventure Man number one. The Joker 80th Anniversary 100 page super spectacular. And Batman The Adventure continues, number one. Plus, we've got some listener mail from Dino Cipino.
0: I can't wait to fill you all in on what's going on with Dino and also be filled in with what's going on with Dino. <laughs> um, Django, I I just think that was such a great f- series of titles to read. That's a great, just wow. You are killing it. I'm so glad to, oh, that thanks, this buddy. is a, this is, you know... Your new awesome job. I'm just, I'm <laughs> it just. just flattered. Sounds so belittling.
1: <laughs> I'm just flattered that you had faith in me and oh, you took yeah. a chance on this humble servant of the Papcast.
0: Yes. Well, you know, you know, hundred. There's either hundred-page 100. giants or their 80th anniversary specials. I looked it up today. Generally, prestige format books are 64 pages, but this <laughs> is 100-page spectacular.
1: And it's like. When, I mean, I was going to save this for when we were talking about it later, but since we're talking about it now, it's only a dime a page.
0: Okay. That was – it's, a, it's a horrible to have wasted that incredible calculation on a time where we're not actually talking about the book. So listen, oh, oh, let's – please do, because we need to get from here, the beginning of the podcast, the uh-huh. beginning, the the chocolate wafer of Batman – through the cream to the other Batman universe chocolate wafer of this ice cream sandwich. And that's what I'm going to hear about 10 cents a page. So talk Listen. to me about Batman 92 by Tom King. No, <laughs> wouldn't that be good? Uh, Jay, I actually thought that for a second, that was what I was doing. Uh, James and the fourth Guillaume March and Timo Mori. This is the issue that everyone was talking about before You know, the pandemic hit. Everyone was like, when are we getting Batman 92 so we can see more than Punchline's jaw? I'm going to see her breasts pushed together so tightly. It looks like she was, what's the term? Uh, Squeezed into it? Oh, poured poured into her
1: dress. Poured
0: into that outfit. (laughs) Um, It is ridiculous, but that's halfway through the book. It's
1: definitely... I guess, where Batman has been heading for, uh, since issue, what, 85 or so? Um, And, I I, honestly, I don't get that excited for Punchline. Like, I I think that it's a little bit,
0: the- Are uh, you serious?
1: Yeah, buddy. Are you? Now ask me (laughs) why I'm so serious
0: i'm I mean i anyone who's not interested in punchline I don't really care why or why not for their seriousness <laughs> natures um i'm I'm kind of astounded that you don't care about this totally rote generic character with a terrible origin that they did the exact opposite of everything that made Wolverine good mm-hmm. and gave us her her first appearance on the same day as her origin
1: and everything that makes the joker great and 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 Um, but even though I don't, I, I, like, and I wouldn't say I hate punchline or that I don't like what he's doing. I, I'm just completely ambivalent about, uh, her at this point. Maybe, maybe that'll change. But what I do really like in this comic is, um, Guillaume March's art is spectacular. And he has almost two completely different styles that he's drawing in here. When, when Batman is hanging out in the grit and the grime and the muck and Riddler-Penguin-Deathstroke battles and all, all this, like, superhero, like, stock superhero interactions. He's got this super cool sort of shadowy, like, kind of what we've seen from him before and in, in, in this series. And then when we cut to Harley Quinn and Catwoman meeting up with Punchline, the art gets way softer and way sexier and it's, it's a really Glossier. interesting Yeah. Like, and, and that's probably Timu Mori too, right? Like he's, I think that he's coloring the different scenes differently, but the, just the transitions in art here gave it, gave it enough for me to like really respect the, the craft in this issue.
0: Yeah. Um, I also am very, very fond of this artist, um, and he does have an art book that I have that's called like, Cover Girls or something, and it is all more reflective of that style, but that is not the style he's generally used in his interior artwork. I'm, yeah. Um, I mean, do you remember, like he did the art in the beginning of the Catwoman New 52 run, that like everyone hated that I loved. Oh right. Where like Batman and Catwoman end up humping on a rooftop at the end of the first episode or, yeah. or issue, and um, gosh. Uh, but it's a very different style than than that. So, Jang and I both the next day were like, they didn't advertise that there was a second artist on this book, and then you know like we talked about it, and like there, I I'm pretty sure it is just his versatile style. Even though they've had multiple artists on these books at this point, I. I'm pretty sure that it is not just an error, but it is um, yeah. a, a, a very versatile art. Um,
1: it's super impressive. It's almost like if uh, Eduardo Riso inked Jim Lee for half of it and then Clay Man drew the other half. So story-wise, yeah. it's fine. Like I, I don't have any big complaints. I didn't feel like I wanted to stop reading it halfway through, which does sometimes happen to me when I'm reading... Um,
0: James the Tynion IV. Tinian's Batman specifically or anything him yeah
1: yeah i mean I, I don't always feel compelled to finish i don't think i've ever just thrown a comic aside because he's not a bad writer he's not at all always keep me interested through through a full issue um and i i think that uh i think he's doing some fairly interesting stuff here i really like the interplay between the riddler and batman where the riddler has like walled off sections of gotham and is um giving batman riddle crossword clues that Batman has to solve using the grid of the city that Riddler has set up and Batman goes underground and is still able to keep the entire grid in his head and answer these riddles and chase down the Riddler at the same time. I, I thought that that And?
0: Was awesome. Predict answers before Riddler even asked the question. I'm yes. I'm totally with you. That was my favorite part and that was um that I was like, "All right, cool, Jimmy Tiv." I I don't always love his execution of things, but I I like his grasp on Batman. Yeah, I, I yeah, think his he,
1: big concepts are really good.
0: Yeah, I I totally agree, and he he his strokes are very good, but the execution can oftentimes be difficult for me. Um, and an instance of that is, I mean, punchline. I, I, we'll talk it's hard to not talk about this one as well as a little bit of the joker issue that came out this week that now
1: who's real good at choosing the way that we read the books
0: Django, you're good okay you're a good <laughs> you're a good man and you do a good job at putting books and and there's going to be a reason that that spot it, it is there at that anchor spot at the end and it's going to we're going to love it and it's going to make sense, but okay. So, but maybe it's a little difficult to not talk about portions of it right now. That's more on me than it is about you, bud. You did a great job. We're really appreciative of this. You're doing great on your task. Oh, thanks.
1: Thanks, <laughs> mister.
0: Here's can our I, nickel. Can I get a sob buck next time? <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's weird that I liked the way Punchline was written and portrayed in this Batman issue. But she was written by Michael, by Guillaume. Sorry, she was written by James Henry the Fourth and drawn by Mikkel Janin for a short part of the Joker issue, mm-hmm. and I thought that that was very poorly written. And I thought that the way that she appeared—that's an artist I generally like—but I she didn't have there's there's an amount of nuance that goes into her appearance here as portrayed by this artist, um, like she's got like she's got pale makeup skin and she there's just a lot more visual flair to the to her in this Uh versus when we see her in full outfit in the joker one shot and it just leans on the like what's after the joke the punchline like this horrible sort of you know why is it written the way i look at how clever this name is anyway I, i i liked her in this quite a bit
1: yeah, and we'll talk about that Joker one a little bit more. But maybe it's as simple as uh, this is a more evolved version of the character because we don't really have a timeline for that Joker issue,
0: and we're not really trying to do <laughs> much character work with her right here outside of like you have three pages with her, you know. So whereas the other thing they're trying to tell a story, telling a backstory thing, a forced characterization, whereas this one's a little bit more room to breathe. I like this quite a bit. I would give it. Um, I would give it an eight. I, right. I have quite liked the James Tinian, the Fourth Batman stuff for the last, like, four issues. I think it started really rough, <clears throat> and I don't even know why some of those issues were the first issues. But since the designer has come in and what is going on with that, uh, I, I, I'm excited to read this every week.
1: I think I would give it a seven. But with the art, as, as interesting as it is, I, I'm going to go with an eight. I do have one quick complaint for you, and maybe this will be solved in the next issue or two, but on the last page, we see the designer, and he's hanging out in Bruce's year one library with the bell that Batman, that Bruce rings in order to save his life and bring Alfred to, to help him become Batman, like when he decides, I will be a bat. Mm-hmm. And... I I will accept that the designer knows who Bruce is. I'll accept that he would put Alfred and Bruce's parents on the the end table there to kind of tease Bruce. But I don't buy that someone else knows that Bruce rang that bell when he decided to become a bat.
0: <laughs> okay, but would you buy that it is like Bruce to make sure that room stays never changing and is always that chair oh, yeah. with that bell there? There, there
1: are plenty of ways that he can write his way out of that. <laughs> but if he doesn't, I'm going to be very disappointed.
0: Yeah, I actually didn't even notice the bell. Um... So this Batman
1: 92 is leading up to the Joker War. Yes. But that's not all that's leading up to the Joker War. Joker War starts in Batman number 95, I believe. And we're getting all the ground kind of set right now in, in the Batman series, but also in Nightwing. Yeah. For example, Nightwing number 71 by Dan Jurgens and... Dan Cliquette. Juergens and Ronan Cliquette. Ronan Cliquette and uh, Filardi on colors. Um, gosh, what'd you think of this?
0: So I've read the last couple of issues of Nightwing. Okay, and... I
1: haven't read Nightwing since like maybe three issues after he lost his memory and became yeah. Rick.
0: Yeah that is exactly when I would have stopped reading it and did stop reading it and then checked back in a little bit ago because for some reason at like 65 or 67 or something, it seemed like maybe he was going to get his memory back. Mm-hmm. He still hasn't. They've created this horrible mechanism that was teased in the previous issue of like someone, like he had his, he lost his memories and then someone mm-hmm. pushed a bunch of incorrect memories into his brain, the talons, like the mm-hmm. court of the owl. So he has a bunch of fake memories, but he knows he has fake memories And then there's like these crystals that store memory or something. And like maybe there was a crystal that had his memory that the Joker got in issue 70, which was the only reason that it was technically a prelude to the Joker War. And now this one is still dealing with Rick Grayson trying to get back to being Dick Grayson. But it seems like maybe that will happen with the Joker unlocking his memories with this crystal that he has. But instead, it seems like now he will be implanting fake memories into Nightwing as well and whatever we all love comics so you just read the stuff that you don't care about but like that is the the plot of the story arc right before this like the bad guy planting fake memories in nightwing to do a plot element that's been done in like every children's saturday morning cartoon show which is the good guy's sidekick gets brainwashed and is now the bad guy's sidekick and has to like get his memory back if that's you what know, happens, but
1: they're, they're just gonna have to drop a flower pot on his head to bring him back.
0: That's the only way that we know how to cure amnesia is to reinduce amnesia. The the
1: the thing that bothered me about it more than even more than the weird crystal thing, which I thought was super out of place in like, I don't care if Rick Grayson has that happen. I don't care if Batman has that happen. But to have that crystal mixed with the Joker rubbed me very wrong. Yeah, um, it's such a
0: I agree. I, it's, it's a weird mechanic for a weird character to use.
1: Yeah. Um, but the, the thing that bothered me in the issue was just the Joker's overuse of the crowbar. Like I think, I think Joker should threaten Jason with a crowbar sometimes. And I think that it's like the crowbar isn't Joker's weapon of choice. It's a thing that he used one time. And now writers seem to use that when they want to remind you Like when they want to remind you that he killed Robin, they throw a crowbar in his hands. And when they want to remind you that he um, did whatever happened to Barbara Gordon in The Killing Joke, they put him in a Hawaiian shirt and a hat and give him a camera. And I think that there are more subtle ways and maybe more skilled ways that you can evoke those same emotions and, and give the character the same weight without kind of leaning on those props as a crutch.
0: I totally agree, and I just want to also then share that that story, Death in the Family, that the Joker killed Jason Todd with, mm-hmm. written by Jim Starlin, edited by the now late great Denny O'Neill, who passed away just a couple days ago this week. Like, hey. Just a couple days ago, I think one of the like all-time great Batman writers oh, yeah. and, and important people at DC Comics, and he did a short in the Joker issue, which... Uh, We'll get to this feels like an
1: issue that is kind of dumb when you read it. And then in 10 years, people are going to be talking about, remember that time that Dick had his memories messed up and and the Joker had that memory crystal. Like it feels like something that's going to eventually be kind of mythically cool in the canon and people are going to know about it and, and then be bummed when they finally get around to finding a copy of it or or getting an entry paperback.
0: (laughs) I hope that's the case, um, because outside of the Joker aspects, like these issues have been very hard to get through. When it's like the cops that are wearing Nick Rick's costumes, and uh, I, I give it a five.
1: I give it whatever I said. I gave it. I think you gave it a six. It sounds good.
0: Okay, let's talk about Daredevil. Chip Zdarsky, Marco Checchetto, issue number twenty, two What's... of two, Ascension Inferno. Yeah. Uh,
1: Zdarsky and Checchetto. What a team. Somebody send those guys some goddamn vowels.
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of letters and only four of them are vowels. Uh, well, sometimes why?
1: I thought this was a pretty awesome comic. Yeah. The Chiquetto art was uh, different. I think I sent you a text at some point this week just, just with a close-up shot of a panel that looked to me like uh, John Romita Jr., mixed with um bills
0: i don't remember that happening
1: oh well gosh
0: i got nothing then well maybe my phone's not getting some things but um I, I, the main thing i want to talk to you about about this is <sighs> follow through with me get me uh i i liked the stuff with um the Anna Sinti character what's her name uh typhoid mary typhoid mary uh, I've never really read that character before. And when I have, it felt like maybe not how she was portrayed originally. And this had like a consistency of her insanity and like t- like loyalty to religion and like Catholic stuff. Like it felt like that character and I don't really know who that character is. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, but um, a couple pages later when Daredevil is fighting the Rhino right after he and... Wilson Fisk team up and are doing the back to back scene. Can Which you go? Was to- awesome. It was very good. Uh, can you go to the page where Daredevil is like flipping over Rhino, who's he's like tied his batons around his neck? Are you mm-hmm. there? I'm there. Okay. He shoves something in his mouth,
1: and it takes like two or three pages before three you pages. It out. What is it? It's the handle of a gun. No, it's. I think it's his. Oh, it's the handle of the sword that he broke a few pages, like a page before he shoves it in his mouth. It's a dagger that he took off of Crossbone. So one page before he puts it in, his, in the guy's mouth, he...
0: It gets shot and
1: broken. Kicks a dude in, a, in the head, and then he steals Crossbone's knife. Yeah, and then he uses the knife to deflect one of Bullseye's bullets...
0: I just don't know why you would shove a handle of a knife in someone's mouth and then make sure that we see it and then pull it out three pages later.
1: It's to incapacitate Rhino. Like he 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 basically chokes Rhino out without having to be there. I, I thought that that was a cool idea and a super clumsy depiction of of a couple parts of it. I, I was. I expect more out of Chiquetto. Like
0: I'm not criticizing it. I was just like, I don't know what the hell, that, I went to the, I walked it back. I was like, okay, it's the broken dagger. Like it's, you know, like, why is it in his mouth? I'm um,
1: super glad that you had such a hard time with it too. Because yeah. I, I studied that page and studied that page and finally just gave up. And then two pages later found out what had happened. And,
0: you know. I, I, I love it. the owl in this, man. You just like his
1: his crazy uh, sideburns, huh?
0: Oh, right. Um it I I I just like he's so gross and rat fingery and Pale. he's got chops and he's, you know. <laughs> um but yeah, I, I like that that has been such a through line through this. And then the the big, you know, reveal spoilers is that uh Daredevil turns himself into the police for the murder mm-hmm. of the person from issue mm-hmm. one, and I was like, "Yeah, good. That is obviously what you needed to do." It 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 both never clearly occurred to me as like you need to go to the police right now. Right. And then as soon as it happened, I was like, "Oh yeah, well, right. That's the Natural. hero's choice here, is what." That, well, that's the hero's kind choice. of.
1: But first, he converted the cop who hated him, right in the very beginning, right. So like. I think if he had done the the quote unquote right thing right out of the gate, he would have turned himself in right away. Right. right. So instead, and and Matt is a pretty flawed character. Right. Right, like he's he's kind of self-centered and kind of a butthole and um, not just straight up a good guy. He's, he's a He's a tortured hero, but to have him spend 20 issues taking the guy that wants to completely take him down and eventually turning him to be uh accepting of daredevil before he turns himself in is i guess it's just another good example of matt being kind of a a a human rather than a paragon of of uh goodness
0: yeah i i i I think more in my mind i was saying is like i think it's a testament to zadarsky's writing that Mm -hmm. that it threw out 20 issues. I was never like, he just needs to go turn himself in like that. Like right. I was so entrenched in the moral struggle of Matt and like sort of what he was feeling and is it a bad guy and how is this stuff unfolding? Um, that I feel like if it was a Superman book or something, you would have just been like, well, Superman would go turn himself in. But like right. the, the way that this story unfolded, the, the fact that it took 20 issues to do a thing that then felt like very, the, the logical, well-written choice, but then also congratulations for sort of obfuscating that for 20 issues, right, yeah. and not making it the clear thing of just, like, he needs to go do this. Like it, I think, again, Zadarski just continues to impress me as a writer, and I would give that, like, any time that it's Zadarsky and Chiquetto on that issue, or on, a, on an issue that I don't think I could do lower than an eight
1: yeah i would I would give this a seven and a half because I don't care that well, someone much can about,
0: do lower than an eight. <laughs> I don't care that much about a big
1: battle scene in New York City like I agree like big over tough bad guys. I really liked Wilson and Matt teaming up back to back. I thought that was awesome. Um, but just I don't know there, there were a handful of things in here that were kind of ho hum for me. Um, that said, it was it was very well put together.
0: You're very very right. I I am always sort of impressed by the alchemy of those two characters. But I do think as an issue, I I, I am also like I don't care about a giant battle scene. And I mm-hmm. guess well,
1: yeah. Well, listen, it would be a nine if it was something else.
0: Yeah, or Fornia's, right. dude. I heard a lot about Decorum Number Two from different folks before reading it. And each time that it was addressed, I sort of put off reading it further and further. So I ended up reading it today. Um, I'll bet you love this shit. I think it was quite a bit better than the first one. <laughs> and I liked the first one quite a bit. And to say I loved this shit is exactly right yeah that is exactly right
1: this was this was uh a study in all of the things that i don't care that hickman is studying so Uh, i think it was very well done and i know i knew you were gonna love it yeah but i i'm uninterested in a lot of what he's covering here surprise surprise
0: i i did say in the first issue of this series that like i think that this is uh i I would be interested to say exactly hear what exactly what i said but it was something to the effect i believe of like i i think that this will separate like i think this is a hickman if you're a hickman fan you'll like it i do not think it is like his x-men books where like he also appeals to other people i think that this is as far as hickman goes i can feel people falling off of this book with each issue
1: yeah i would i would say that east of west feels like that also um, but knowing what you're getting into gives you a, uh, a different, or gives me a different perspective on and, and a different thing to brace for.
0: Yeah. I, I think East of West, I would say different because I think that that is a much more accessible work. Okay. I think that it is like, there are morality stories that you can identify with. There are protagonists of all sorts of different types you can latch to. this one. I think there is. There is a protagonist kind of we're learning, but more than that, this is like a platter of ideas, yeah and and Which Django, is what he
1: does great
0: it sure is, you know what else? He does great graphic design, yep, he's a Definitely. fucking master, and it takes that, you
1: four pages to get to the story, solid
0: work, but <laughs> no, I mean like the page. Like, the page that explains the the religion hierarchy. Oh, yeah. That was super cool. Like, every graph that he does and every chart visually makes sense. They all make sense. And all of the numbers next to, like, the Rochi or the arcant, like, they're all visually represented to the left by a factor of minus one to to, to the minus one. Right. Like um those numbers are all accurately there represented mm. on that thing. I counted all of them. Interesting. Yeah, so like he actually has a working visual model for how this hierarchy of the Church of Singularity is working. Like you know, there's 50 arcantons but there's the 5 around that and then there's like the the one archbishop but there's actually 10. There's 100 bishop inquisitors but there's actually 85 drawn there and then 15 implied behind the circle before that. I and then to to that point further, there's the the stages of you know the resurrection cycle, and even the way that he chooses to visually put these circles and which ones connect. There's such a lot. Like I don't know, maybe maybe it is just masturbatory because my brain works so similarly, or maybe I am self grandizing because I think this is how my brain works, and and I think he does it so well, so it's just the best thing. But like there's such a flow. these ideas and they all make visual glyph sense and they're how i think about things and like when you and i are talking the reason i'm not making eye contact is because i'm staring off into the corner making a sort of map of motivation and relationship Uh, a hick map i i think this one is almost to the point of being like a caricature it's almost like, all right, buddy. Like, I felt like he was laughing at himself
1: while he was writing bits of this. Yeah. And, and then, like that, not even really to diminish it, but it felt like it felt a little bit meta, but too self-aware to
0: tell you that it was meta. And I think I do kind of think he's there. Uh, I think he is self-aware and he has this incredibly wry, sarcastic self flagellation like sense of humor um right. one thing that i wanted to say is that i we're on record i think he's probably my favorite writer <clears> he <throat> and grant morrison um so i love him and i would stop never, the presses i'm not trying to criticize him or poke any holes in him but <clears throat> i don't think that he possesses the same skill at identifying artists to tell visual stories that like rick Reminder has like
1: mm-hmm.
0: huddleston's art is gorgeous to look at but it falls into that category of like every page i want on my wall and i i think that it is maybe a little bit more difficult to discern a narrative from it and it could be that that the writing is intentionally doing that but if i as i was reading this i was going going back through the hickman's work in my mind And I don't usually think that he's paired up with someone that I think is incredible. They're all, they're effective artists and good to look at, but I don't, that isn't a skill that I would advertise for him. Whereas like Rick Remender, I would say that guy finds artists who haven't done illustration in sequential fiction yet. And he just knows how to get the best work out of them. And I don't know that Hickman's eye is trained that way. That's just me as an observation on the outside in.
1: It could also be exactly what Hickman wants, you know, and he his uh, story aesthetic may line up perfectly for you and his art aesthetic may not line up perfectly for you. I tend to really like his artists, whether, yeah. or, whether or not I like his stories. And, and, and I usually like his stories enough to read a bunch of it. I, uh, I was really... Excited that we finally got the title of the comic in the actions of the characters Yeah, because there's that whole middle section where um, the main Protagonist's lady, I, I don't even know if she's gonna end up being the protagonist, but the the Main mean lady from the first issue is having a very very civilized conversation with her husband and uh, it's all about decorum I thought that
0: Yeah was- I didn't even know if that was her husband or maybe her father or something, but that's an instance of
1: Mr. and Mrs. Morley.
0: Yeah, they do. She's just way younger than him, but also the aristocracy, you never know. Uh, Yeah. And that art was really gorgeous. What I, outside of the graphic design stuff, which I, I really like that aspect of this. I think it's maybe some of his most appealing graphic design to me. Uh, the, the portions of the story that are the really pretty watercolor that take mm-hmm. place outside, that take place in the meta-narrative. Right. Um, I'm really interested in what's happening in the meta-narrative. And I'm, we, we're introduced to this concept that there's a group of existence that is outside of space and time. And they are trying to do something over and over again that they're not able to do. And it happens a little bit weird this one time and because they're sort of in the omni existence that which is within the the omni existence which is all things bound by time within it are feeling the effect of this weird thing that has happened and uh that is way more interesting to me than the actually microscopic what is happening on the planets within this sort of omniverse
1: it's two very different stories happening in this book it's right like one from way out way outside of time and space and one that's kind of like a dirty, gritty crime story. Um it's it's an interesting juxtaposition. Um I was a little bit disappointed when I realized that there's a character named Chi Rochi Rochi Rochi. I'm you know I'm kind of torn. Uh I mean it's I'm gonna, okay to not give him a 10 every once in a while.
0: Yeah I know. Uh I'm gonna give it an 8.5 because the way that it looks I love Half of the narrative I like a lot. And then half of the narrative, like when it comes to the courier stuff, I don't really care about that. Um, See,
1: and you and I are in exactly the opposite situation. I really like the courier stuff. I am yeah. left pretty cold by the the outside of space and time stuff. Give me a face. Give me something to punch. I'm on, I am think I'm on record as, as needing yeah. something to punch. Um, yeah. I would give it a seven and a half. And I'm not going to stop reading it at this point. Uh, your, Mission, Jeffrey, should yes. you choose to accept it. I do. Is to tell us about the next two Hickman adjacent stories that you read this week.
0: Yeah. Um I read Excalibur number 10 and New Mutants number 10, just because I'm hounding for that X-Men universe from Hickman that I love. Well,
1: and you're a big fan of number
0: tens. That's the thing, you know, one to the one.
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh,
0: ten to the ones? Ten to the ten to the one. um these are not my favorite books in the dawn of x line but there's so few like the the comics are coming out at a different rate i wasn't reading excalibur more than every like third issue or something but i just decided Mm -hmm. i'll teeny howard yeah yeah um uh, writing it and then ed brisson writing new mutants um Excalibur is doing some stuff I would think that I would like, which is sort of like parallel realities, sort of overlapping with incursions. But it's with characters I don't care a ton about, um, with art I don't love, and I like that I'm reading a book that I. That's a good review. No, I Are like we
1: still talking about decorum. <laughs> Did we just switch bodies? I
0: I like keeping track of the X-Men universe and having it be contained enough that I can kind of be reading all of them and even have there be portions that I don't care about that much, but still read it. And Mm -hmm. that, that act brings me joy. It's sort of like nineties comics or eighties comics, you know, like when you were just reading Chuck Dick and Nightwing for 112 issues, (laughs) because that was what it is. It didn't matter the, the, you know, the quality of the story, it mattered that you were following that character. Uh, So that is sort of my feeling about these X-Men books, the new mutants one, felt like a pretty solid attempt to be uh, tonally similar to the Claremont Sinkevich New Mutants run where we've got some sort of like dark nightmarish stuff happening to these teens and it really is just sort of exploring these characters in a situation where basically someone externalizes a nightmare and is trapped in a nightmare and causes people to be trapped in it is it self-contained issue no nope um it ties into the one before it and the one that will come after it but nine and eleven you mean but in this nine and eleven exactly there is an infographic page which we all remember from the before Mm -hmm. times and this one is just globs vegetarian lasca recipe and it is a (laughs) fully functioning recipe with ingredients in the right ratios the instructions like to prepare it and i thought Hell yeah. If you can't be Hickman and you want to be doing these design aesthetic choices, which I don't think the non-Hickman books need to, but if you're going to, I am very into doing it and exploring it in this way because I will make a recipe that you put in an X-Men book. Okay. Uh, You'll have to report back. Yeah. um, It's really just like only barely outside the realms of stuff that I have in the pantry. So,
1: What uh, what do you give those books?
0: Um, I give them both uh 6.5 nice no a six they're both getting sixes that's right jeff's feeling saucy
1: wow you are are you okay buddy
0: i'm okay no 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 i'm a professional now i'm not even worried about how it's all going down 183 episodes i finally got it
1: all right uh 183 that's so if you take the eight minus the three this is
0: why we go over on time
1: Eight minus three plus one. That's six. You don't care if we go over on time.
0: You're right. We're professionals. Me. Yeah.
1: told me. I can do whatever I want. <laughs> oh,
0: religion.
1: God. Have you ever heard a
0: slow chant before? Dude, are you going to talk about Ice Cream Man or are we going to talk about the Joker?
1: <laughs> Ice Cream Man number 19 uh, by Martin Marazzo and uh, our our buddy, sorry, Maxwell Prince and Martin Marazzo. Um, this issue is set up like an instruction, like an instruction manual for how to become a ghost for part one, how to exist as a middle-aged man for part two, and how to uh, be an old man at age seventy-eight for part three. And um, you know, these these guys have done some messing around with the way to tell a comic book story in the past they did the palindrome issue where you read it forwards right up to the middle and then it reverses and you read the whole thing backwards um and that was super interesting they did the one that was um basically like a crossword puzzle of your life
0: that was super good neapolitan silent issue
1: but yeah the neapolitan issue was ne- neapolitan wasn't silent wasn't it? it was
0: that was the one with the three timelines, yeah.
1: Yeah, I just I just read it the other day. It's it's great. This one uh follows a kid whose parents are just kind of boring and bored and the kid's 9 years old. He dresses up like a ghost, he goes wandering around the town um and watches a dude jump off a of, uh, jump off of a bridge to his death. And he's Pretty traumatized by that, and then it jumps to when he's 39 years old, and he's just kind of in a bummer life. His wife is obviously cheating on him, although it's not explicitly mentioned. It's just very clear that that's what's going on. He's just sort of unhappy. He thinks about jumping off his roof, and he just doesn't have the. He doesn't even have the gumption to kill himself, and and it's clear that that's like, he's super bummed out, but not just not able to to really engage in life even enough to end his life. Um, and then it jumps to when he's an old man and it, it follows him through his death and, and a little bit of afterlife. And the whole thing... Um, man, if you've ever felt like you wasted your life, this will get right under your skin and make you realize that you probably are. And everything is everything is a bummer. And what are you even doing on earth?
0: You just got ice cream um, manned.
1: Yeah. yeah it's, it's what these guys do. Like they... I would say every four or five issues. And, and like, I don't feel like that. I feel pretty good about things, but every (laughs) once in a while they can, they can like get under your skin with one panel or one word balloon and be like, are you sure everything's okay? Everything might be terrible. Are you sure that you're pretty satisfied? And fuck, they're just so good at it. Um, And a lot of the ones for me are just kind of confronting getting older and, you know, like, are you doing the best things with your life? And is is everything going the way that it should? Django. It is. And also, fuck you, comic, for making me question that. It's, it's excellent. I give it a fucking 10.
0: Good. God, that's good to hear. I haven't read it yet this week. I, I have to approach Ice Cream Man issues with a whole new level of caution. <laughs> um, because, yes, Django, what you were just saying, that is the heart of an anxiety attack for me, which is like when you are you have a bad thought, and you're like, oh, that's nothing. And then you go, are you sure? Like, but what if it's not nothing? And mm-hmm. and then it is the inability. It's like a magnetic ball where it's like, oh, you bounce it back and then it comes back on wait Are you sure? And at some point you start to be like, I'm not sure. Like yeah. the fact that I've asked if I'm sure this many times means I'm clearly not sure. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't just casually get in that goddamn car anymore because I, <laughs> if I... those things one leads to another if you're not sure about something over and over again 30 minutes later you're not going to be sure about something else way worse and that is an existential hole Django and I don't want to see you get there and be like me wearing the scars of what happens when you let it actually attack you
1: well yeah I am blessed with an overinflated ego that doesn't let ice cream man get under my skin for much longer than the time it takes me to read it and also I'm a fast reader yeah yeah hey did you read adventure man
0: no no i didn't i, I did. forgot about adventure man i, read I was adventure... ready to move into the joker tell me oh, about adventure man. Yeah. No
1: was a joker yet. adventure man by matt fraction and terry dodson with inks by rachel dodson um i guess terry did the colors also
0: it's pretty good oh by all means then please it's let's spend some time good. in the space
1: um i i'm a huge fan
0: of are there parts that you liked
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> no there, there are parts that i like i'm a big fan of pulp characters and this is basically um a woman from a huge family of overachievers and her son and she reads her son these uh stories for bedtime and her kid's a little older than i would expect for the mom to be still be reading him stories but um, she reads him stories of this pulp hero named Adventure Man, who's clearly based on Doc Savage quite a bit. And um, she runs a bookstore, obviously because that's like the lowest of the overachieving family. Fuck you, Matt Fraction. It's also
0: classically uh, pulp. You know, yeah, everyone cl- owns a bookstore.
1: Classic pulp. The the lazy schlub has the bookstore. And, uh, I mean, basically the- Wait the- a
0: minute, we have a bookstore. Yeah, yeah. What are they Matt, saying? Matt, you owe us an interview now. We sell your books, <laughs> Matt. And then we talk about them online and they make us feel bad about ourselves.
1: Um, she's in a world that has like, you know, blimps up in the sky and cool cars. And um, it's clear that, she's gonna end up chasing down some of the characters from this book that she's been reading to her kid. And in the end, there's a big write-up about how much Matt um, likes old pulp characters. And I don't think he mentions the shadow once, which I, I was a little bit disappointed in, what but-
0: fucking um,
1: It's definitely got that kind of adventure feel. I think that the, like the surface level gag is that it's called Adventure Man, but it's about a woman. Uh, she's chasing down this artifact from the adventure man's uh, books that she reads to her kid. Um, I think it's a pretty good setup. I think that it's um, I'm glad that it was as many pages as it is. It's it's like a double-sized comic. It feels a lot like a Mark Miller book to me. Hmm. Um, and that might just be the art, but I think it's also the pace of the story and just kind of the, I don't know, kind of the cinematic quality to the whole thing. You, you could see this being a TV show or a movie, you know, before issue one even gets printed. Uh, so I, I would give it a seven and a half. I think that anybody who likes hope stuff even a little bit would dig it. I think anybody that likes, uh, you know, plucky lady, Indiana Jones kind of stories uh, will get a lot out of it. And, you know, Matt Fraction's a pretty solid writer, so... Uh, I don't have any, any actual complaints. I even like the like the Dotson art pretty well. It it told the story. You take that and, back. No, I won't. I won't. You take I, that back. I have no problem with the Dotsons, mister. You take that back. I won't. Well, listen, let's talk about the Joker 80th anniversary, 100-page super spectacular, written Sit by Sit down, Scott everybody. Snyder, We're James doing James all Daniel of them. IV, Gary Whitta and Greg Miller, Denny O'Neill, Peter J. Tomasi, Paul Dini, Tom Taylor, Eduardo Medeiros, and Rafael Albuquerque, Tony S. Daniel, Brian Azzarello, with art by Jock. Mikhail the bit, and has Dan Moore, <laughs> oh, the bit has Leroy- turned. Jose Luis, Garcia Lopez, Simone Bianchi, Riley Rossimo, Edward, Eduardo Riso, Albuquerque, Timmy Mori, oh no, Tony S. Daniel, Jesus, and Lee Bermejo. That's not even the inkers or the colorists necessarily, except where I uh, put my foot in my mouth and said the wrong one. So, Everyone uh,
0: stopped listening much earlier than that. <laughs> no, they love it. They love it. They Credit. love the mellifluous sound of my voice saying names. Credits. Um, okay. Did you like, okay. Did you like it?
1: I thought there were some really good parts and some really bad parts.
0: Did you, I liked it not as much as the Robin one, but more than the Catwoman one.
1: Um, <clears throat> gosh, I think I liked it more than Robin and less than Catwoman. Mm-hmm. There, there was not a single story in here that I, I read and said, fuck yeah. And there were two, I think, in, in the Catwoman one. And I was pretty you didn't... warm on Robin.
0: I really liked the first one, the Scott Snyder uh jock one is that jock probably yeah yeah
1: that was the first look hang on let me let me think back through my list of names that's the Uh, yeah that was the first
0: yeah and uh i really liked that one that was like a witch's style scott snyder story or the you know the black mirror style scott snyder uh yeah I, i think his writing works way better as like horror experiments than it does you know, these long runs. And I think that is a perfect example of it. You know, sort of that classic Scott Snyder, here's a spooky story rooting back to my youth, how I've dealt with it. And now I spin it all on its axis at the very end. Um,
1: yeah. He's
0: got a he's got a bit and it works. I like it a lot. And I knew without mm-hmm. looking at credits or anything, I knew three pages in, I was like, oh, this is a Scott Snyder story. <laughs> right. Maybe. I, didn't, I hadn't even looked at the credits and I knew.
1: Yeah. And the, the, I mean, it's a trope at this point with the Joker hiding under somebody's bed for days and days uh, that it? Scott Snyder started in the death in the family. Cause Joker had been hiding under Gordon's bed um, right before, or right after he skinned his face. Um, and I, it is so scary. It's so scary. It's so scary. I, yeah. I think it's a, it's a really interesting way to show the patience of the joker yeah for something Uh, for somebody who's so prolific at murder to have him hide under somebody's bed for days and days is an interesting character development
0: i think the other great thing about this is that it does Mm. kind of going back to that wolverine idea and like you said as the joker he does something in this seemingly that would be seemingly impossible Mm mm-hmm And we don't know how, which is this flesh rose, this hide rose. If you haven't read it, you should read it. It is worth reading. Um, To be able to get that back from his childhood, yeah, impossible. But it's the Joker. So we don't necessarily make a mechanic for it being believable or anything. It's just, it happens. Um, Well,
1: it's like the designer knowing that Bruce has that bell in in Batman 92.
0: Yeah, it is a little bit like that um, in that but even more impossible because this yeah. kid as a child flushed this thing down a toilet how would this guy have gotten it so right i, I really liked that the i think the second story is worth mentioning it was written by james c IV the fourth and Michael Jannon, like we had mentioned um <clears throat> you were gonna bring it back powers of 10 10 well, it's 10 cents an issue 10 cents a page
1: 10 cents a page this there this book is only 10 cents a page and there if we you- go
0: if you look at it from that perspective,
1: that's a screaming deal.
0: For some I of it, yeah. a,
1: I would pay a dime to read any of these pages. Yeah, that's true. I would that's true. I would go. Like if up, I was I in a Nickelodeon, I'd pay two nickels to read any one of these
0: pages. I think that Mikhail Jennon is an awesome artist. I just think that his like grasp of we get the punchline origin in this one. And she's just a huge fangirl for the Joker, and she's seemingly at college. She's at Snyder College. Very clever. Um huh, huh, and uh, getting
1: tired of that.
0: Yeah. Um someone else did it mm. in this one, or maybe the Batman. It's in run. every
1: fucking comic book. It every is every single Batman comic references a creator.
0: Right. Um Mikael Jannon's grasp of this character is much more like a nerdy college student than it is the character that we're to believe Punchline is. I think that while it is nice to capitalize on the interest in the character right now, that I do fully believe will be non-existent a year from now, um, <laughs> but I think that it does a disservice to that character to give all of the information about her up front because we're getting instances of the character that are less interesting or instances of the character where you know, the character of Punchline isn't there. It's more just like this flawed college student. And I think that it would be better from a writing perspective to give us who we believe this person should be and then learn who they are. It it takes a lot of the wind out of the sails, I think. Well,
1: okay, so yes, this is kind of an origin. But we still don't know why the Joker has this hold over her. We don't know why she decided, it, like she didn't just throw this outfit together and she didn't decide to like just decide to kill her Dean. It, it's This isn't an origin, this is a bridge from her origin to the Joker war and to who she becomes. So like I can, I can forgive it being kind of silly because, because it's not how she got like this it's one of the first things that she does when she is like this, if that makes sense. And I I don't know that that forgives it. Um, The next story, I think the standout bit for me was just Dan Mora's uh, like bureaucrat joker. I didn't like the story that much, but the drawing I thought was really cool.
0: I didn't read that one. Yeah, I also didn't read the next one until you were talking about Ice Cream Man and then I glossed over it but it's the Denny O'Neill one and I wanted to get yeah. some flavor for the Denny O'Neil one and I wish that
1: he had left a better legacy with the Joker
0: Well, and so the art is by Jose Luis Garcia Lopez that's a pretty famous Batman artist right?
1: Yeah, he. the first time I was aware of him was when he illustrated Batman Legends of the Dark Knight numbers 11 through 15, which was the first appearance of the Venom um, drug that a few years later Bane right. got juiced on. Uh, so Batman gets hooked on this drug that makes him super, super strong. Um, I think he had done some stuff before that, but... I guess that's kind of before my time. They they made a big deal out of it when that Legends of Dark
0: Knight came. I feel like Roman has talked about him. He's he's very you know referential to this this era of Joker, and I like this story because I like the way that Joker is written here. So Denny O'Neill, huge piece of history in Batman, and I like the way Joker is written because it is like absurdist fun and psychotic evil at the same time and i think that like being able to believably write the sort of like fun loving joker like one of the things i like about him is when you maybe forget for a second that he's also a murderer like oh maybe maybe they're not writing him as a scary murderer oh nope, he's also that you know like still there and he's wearing a Hawaiian shirt and he gets a camera in this one. Do you think that's like foreshadowing to like, this is the camera from The Killing Joke, like placing it right before The Killing Joke?
1: Yeah, I mean, his his whole outfit is pretty reminiscent of The Killing Joke because he's wearing that purple hat also. Yeah, and um, the but the Hawaiian way that shirt. he's, yeah, the Hawaiian shirt, the way that he's drawn though, and I don't think that um, Garcia Lopez drew the Joker like this back in the day. I could be wrong, but this looks to me like Jim Aparo Joker.
0: Yeah, it looks like the stuff from Death of the Family, Death in the Family. Yeah, um, yeah.
1: Um, I didn't love that story as much, but uh, also I'm a grumpy asshole. I
0: I liked it for I I did like it. Um, and his Joker is very like that. It, he mm-hmm. he is more he more famously mm-hmm. draws him in the purple outfit, the purple suit. Yeah. But you would immediately recognize this image search that I've got open. Okay. Uh, All of his stuff. Anyway, yeah, not great, but. Yeah, serviceable. Denny O'Neill, it it shines on his ability to do something very well, which is cast the Joker in a light that most people aren't able to.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, The Peter J. Tomasi and Simone Bianchi Joker, I don't even remember reading.
0: It's more just a meditation on the eternal struggle of Batman and Joker. So it's like a weird, almost poem narration that's being read over a bunch of random shots of the Joker fighting Batman through various costumes.
1: Including a Dark Knight Returns reference, which Jeff wouldn't wouldn't
0: probably catch. Um, I know about the fight. And they've got the death of the family, like the torn face stuff's in here. Yeah, and they've
1: got the killing joke in there, but with a submachine gun. Yeah, I, I thought that the art was really good. Uh, I was completely mystified by the final Joker, who's like a Medusa, Batman Joker. It uh, it doesn't
0: make much sense to me outside of just sort of being a psychotic meditation. Like yeah, sort of just how...
1: Why not? It's the Joker's super spectacular.
0: But interestingly, Paul <clears throat> Dini and Riley Rossimo, that is a really good writer-artist combo because the art is undeniably riley rossimo-esque like he's just doing his own thing but until this moment i didn't realize how close that is in tone to batman the animated series so it really i could i read this one as mark hamill's joker being the joker
1: okay but did you compare this art by riley rossimo to the art in the catwoman issue last week did he do one in there he did and it was very different Hmm. I think it was in the Catwoman. It had to be in the Catwoman. Um, yeah, this, this seemed like he was smoothing things out and toning things down a little bit to fit Paul Dini's history with the animated series, which I thought was really interesting to see. I mean, Riley Rossum, I he's got a very solid style. Like, when you see his art, you know it's him but he doesn't usually deviate very much from that that Riley Rossmo look. And so to see him play around with that, even in a subtle way, I thought was really interesting. It's it's just not quite as, as intricate as what he usually does.
0: It, and a little bit more caricature-y, mm-hmm. a la a Saturday morning cartoon. So I, I do totally agree. I think he was kind of, playing in a little bit more to the and like the cartoon show nature of his art since it was wrapped with paul dini and had the joker and harley quinn from the time frame of the animated series and
1: um the pinup right after that the
0: tim and wagner pin i I feel really good because friend of the show ryan russell who i love uh we were talking and and he i didn't see that pinup and he was talking about how gorgeous the tim sale art is and i thought he was talking about the uh, eduardo rousseau one i was like oh that's actually eduardo rousseau Uh, and then i and then i saw yesterday this tim sale art so i'm sorry ryan but yeah that that piece of art while only being a single shot and not a full interior issue is so good and it made me think about what you were talking about how like Tim Sale is sort of being more exploratory in a style right now. Like he's, he is mm-hmm. doing a, a style. And I don't think I've seen it work this well as this one shot in any of the art that he's done in the last couple of years. But this is really like a combination of that newer Batman cover stuff with long Halloween.
1: Selfishly, I'm hoping that uh, this is just the beginning of his stuff interesting me as much as this does, because then that would totally vindicate what I said one week ago.
0: It is an incredible and, single issue. Like, or sorry, single-page image. Um,
1: and so now consider this. What if John Romita Jr. is on a similar path? Because, like, a lot of the Tim Sale stuff that we've seen in the last three or four years has not been of, for me, has not been of the caliber of his earlier work or this. And same thing with JRJR.
0: So yeah, what it, I'm hoping is that they're, like, he's,
1: messing around until he find something really cool
0: yeah and like yeah i um lots of people have talked about how different artists you know do that like darwin cook notoriously um even towards the latter half of the new frontier kind of had modified his artistic style so it allowed him to have a, a larger output mm-hmm. skim down on some of the more labor-intensive stuff but not stuff that really added to the art significantly right. So I do think all artists do that and I think that I really respect artists even in their 60s, 70s, and 80s like modifying their style to make it work. And then I'm reminded of that cartoonist kayfabe Howard Chaikin interview where someone is criticizing Neil Adams and he's like well yeah like his writing is bizarre but like. Look! Look at the art. He's like seventy-five. Like, right. fuck you that you could ever be this good at art when you're seventy-five. <laughs> like, fuck, fuck you for you. You don't you don't know, get to say that. And yeah. I think that's a really good point. Like, yeah, Neil Adams, uh, Tim Sale. That there's a, this whole school of artists who probably are so aware of what they're doing. I can't just assume that they're getting old and getting getting bad. Like, I think that it's probably an awareness of style, an economy of style, an economy of line. Or, or, or just
1: wanting to do something different. Like musicians do this all the time. Yeah. You can't listen to four Tom Waits albums in a row and and not think that he's creating something new
0: at some point.
1: Um, do you,
0: was your favorite book in here the Tom Taylor one, the next one, the Eduardo Russo Tom Taylor it was one? was
1: so good.
0: It was um, so good. It was tied for my favorite with the Scott Snyder one. And like
1: Eduardo Russo is... Such a good artist. Yeah, he he made a hundred bullets readable. Um, sorry, Brian Azzarello. Um, but like, I read all of a hundred bullets because the art was so great, and 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 the story kind of ebbed and flowed. This was this was a really good story, and like Tom Taylor just knows how to take a kid and get under your skin and make you feel feelings. Um, yeah, this I, I think this was my favorite.
0: The artistic pairing is great. Like the Rousseau stuff is amazing, but again, like Tom Taylor is f- an a, an incredible writer. I think he's one of the like mm-hmm. most exciting newer comic writer voices. Yeah. Um even though he's been around for a while, but the, you know, in the last like 2 years he's really leveled up. And Well,
1: and Rousseau is just so consistent. Yeah. Like exactly the opposite of what we were just talking about. That guy's art has been fucking solid and not very different since the beginning uh and then the Le- the, the azarello and libremejo i thought that the art was super cool it reminded me of old dick sprang but with better colors um especially with the way that they used halftone dots and and uh zip kind of patterns pretty uh,
0: different from libremejo's normal work like yeah but still very like, different
1: nearly identifiable. I don't think I could have told you it was him if you surprised me with that art, but knowing it's him, I can tell it's also, um, it ties into one flew over the cuckoo's nest in a lot of ways. Like the nurse is definitely nurse ratchet. Um, Uh, listen, I read a damaged copy of Batman. The adventure continues this week, um, by Alan Burnett and Paul Dini, Ty Templeton and colored by Monica Cabina. um, So I think that one thing that sets me apart from you and Justin, and I think even Roman,
0: yeah, is that a lot of people.
1: I never watched the Batman animated show. It was or the Batman Adventures. It was a little bit like it was out when I was solidly entering high school, and that was not a cool thing to go home and watch cartoons. So I always liked the Art Deco look of it, um, but I I've never sat down to watch it, and I. This last week, I, I think I found the Mask of the Phantasm on some service. and I,
0: I have out. all of it on Blu-ray.
1: I don't know if I even have a Blu-ray player, buddy. Um, but I want to watch that. I would like to watch some of the the Batman adventures. I read this one, and I thought it was a pretty good Batman story. I really liked the twist with Superman. Um, I never really care about Lex Luthor or Brainiac who are main characters in here. And I, um, they're not deal breakers. They're just not deal makers for me.
0: I don't care about Lex Luthor unless it's Lex Luthor from Smallville. Okay. Did you ever watch Smallville?
1: Nope.
0: That Lex Luthor is an incredibly well-written and acted character. And then mm-hmm. I love the Batman, the animated series Lex Luthor or or Superman okay. adventures actually. But um, he's just written as this like, very strong, capable, uber male. But above all, he seems like an effective businessman. But he doesn't have any of the shortcomings that seem to be presented in comic books. It's, right. I guess it's, it's, it's probably closest to the, the Lex Luthor from Graham Morrison's All-Star Superman. Um, okay. But <laughs> anyway, yeah, I love him in this issue. I, so this, so correct me if I'm wrong, but this collected the first two digital shorts to end at the cliffhanger for Deathstroke showing up
1: yeah it ends okay 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 that's interesting because I, I thought it was a little bit big but it's not a double-sized issue so it's two digital issues that it's came probably out like during the comic book hiatus yeah a worldwide comic book shortage
0: two probably 12 issues probably like 24 pages it's probably like two pages longer than a normal one. as
1: long as comics
0: used to be Heavens. um yeah it it was a nice thing to have come out in a world that wasn't having comic books come out Mm-hmm. to read digitally i do want to reread it physically
1: adventure continues gets uh seven and a half from me
0: i'm gonna give it a 7.52 uh, uh, yeah I, I totally agree i think it's good it's <clears>
1: um jeff we haven't a... <coughs> have Django. it's time
0: for my favorite part of the podcast buddy oh, time to relax time just... to put your oh. hair down put your feet up have don't you don't fuck yourself i don't have any hair jeff oh sorry yep <laughs> sorry you know like an expression l'oreal kids we're worth oh. it too um now oh. we're gonna just okay i'll put my hair down yeah exactly it's just trying to fucking relax and have a sipper pour yourself a glass this is all very fun um well listen dino wrote to us Do you want to read it or you want me to read it i'm trying to pull it up in the emails but i don't know where it is well dino says, oh there it is it's from solo oh. luck just a second there's a whole thing now that it's just a bunch of now that like the work is over the day is done you feel that oh the sun's gosh. at our back it's setting and we can now, we've we've spent the day harvesting the food, preparing the fire, making sure we have the meals. Now it is just the job of the human to dance and celebrate the, the turning of another day around the campfire. So, hi, Jeff, Roman, and Django. Thanks for continuing- Hi, I'm not hi. None of us are. Thanks for continuing the podcast episodes. Hope everyone is doing great, exclamation mark. Dino, I miss you more than I can say. <clears throat> A few questions back, Jeff, your Phil puns were awesome. Don't remember them. <laughs> I just feared that Phil be blood if I attempted to add to them. I just feared their Phil be blood. Nice. Phil be blood. Yeah, I love that movie. Um Dino, I love a pun that I have to work for. I hope that means that you've been listening to these. I know that your subscription list has gone down, as a lot of peoples have in this time of just financial uncertainty, life uncertainty. You drive an inordinate amount of time to come up to the comic shop to pick up your comic books. It's an amazing thing. Um, I'm humbled at the idea that you would still be listening to this. As for the correct pronunciation of "Oh you listened. <laughs> you listened to last week's episode. Um, as for the correct pronunciation of Dina or Dina, it is pronounced Black Canary. <laughs> I seriously do have a question for you guys. But first, did you hear Peter Quill change his name for the in-home quarantine? He now goes by Starboard. Oh, oh man. <laughs> I miss you. I miss, all of, I miss all of the people that come into the store. Um, but Dino, you are just a unique voice in the world. And it's great that you exist. So same with Fial. Okay, with that in mind, what comic book character of any publisher would you want to be quarantined with? Well, it's going to be Black Canary now. Um, <laughs> now that I've read that issue. Because she wouldn't have to settle for a bunch of pool-playing bros here. I have five stuffed bears. That's
1: You want to be quarantined with five stuffed bears and a cat and your girlfriend and another cat?
0: I thought this is a fictional world where it was just me and Black Canary.
1: Oh, and no Barry. Well, I want to be quarantined with Phil and
0: Dino. Okay, that would be great. Okay, 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 okay. <clears> okay. <throat> which character would I want to be quarantined with? For Justin some I, uh, okay. Bill Forgetti. Okay, comic book character. You oh, did dirty. he say that? He said,
1: "I guess Bill Forgetti's
0: a real." Which guy. comic book character of any publisher? It would be so shitty to be stuck at home with the the shadow. I know. He would just be grumpy, big nose, and around. And think about how old the like three socially acceptable jokes that he would have would be. Like <laughs> he would disappear and he would say, like, pull my finger. And then he would disappear and apparate to, on your other side or something.
1: And that oh. guy, that guy and Chinese people, he's just, it, it, they don't get along. He hates it, them. Does he really? Like, I imagine that book Chinatown came was- out always the bad guy in those books
0: yeah it came out in a time where racial prejudice was even more on the forefront of fiction absolutely um so do you have an answer for that for some reason hawkeye it feels like he would be most hmm. you know or airboy you know one of those two guys and airboy seems like they would quarantine real nice with jeff <laughs> the uh the four issue james robinson yeah art in that do you remember um, how much we loved that book and had the, all the overly large penises they were drawing? And I don't feel like... Well, because
1: the 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 writer and the artist were characters and they were right. running around and the artist's penis was way bigger than the writer's penis, which I thought was a very good little joke. It was. Greg Hinkle. Yeah. What have they done since then? I mean, I all of my heroes that I would want to go on an adventure with would be intolerable after about three days of running away from nazis you know that's why
0: my my brain goes to like the hawkeyes and the the airboy creators because they're hanging out and smoking weed
1: like imagine imagine roman's first response would be plastic man right maybe think about how horrible it would be to hang out with plastic man
0: i Yes. I. Sorry. So my brain, I think Miles Morales and I mm-hmm. would chill pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, we're both of a similar age and we like video games and, you know, art and hanging out with other teens. I'm a teen. I got it. I,
1: I know who it is. For you or for me? For me. Oh, who? Cassidy from Preacher.
0: Oh, yeah. That's pretty good. We would need some a blood lot of liquor coming into the house,
1: um, so we would have to order liquor. No, and eat the delivery person.
0: The beautiful, yeah. So I was going to say the beautiful thing about the two of you needing to be stuck together mm-hmm. is that you would be like, I've got to create a system for you to be able to actually like get blood through all of this, <laughs> and then you would just spend <laughs> two weeks creating this system, and then you'd be two weeks into the cri- you know the crisis, and everyone else would still you? be on day one because yeah. you're like. You know, he has this inherent uh task of problem solving for you. Okay, can I do you okay, so outside of like quarantine, I'm kind of viewing this question as like what 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 comic character you want to be friends with the most? Hmm. I would really like
1: to be friends with the kids from Lock and Key. That's your pick? No, That's, but Uh, no but i just said those words i don't know man you're putting me on the fucking spot i don't have any comics
0: near me i'm i know Uh, i'm picturing my book show dick
1: dick 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 grayson
0: (laughs) that is a quote from a conversation with a customer earlier in the week um yeah i don't know i don't know
1: punchline i want to be quarantined with punchline so i can find out what her origin is
0: and i'm jeff and we'll see you next week because that's (laughs) Django's soundbite forever oh I'm Django. Oh God, who do these people think that you are? Who do you think know. that you are? Let's get special. I know. Who I am. I let's go back I to that am. ice cream man issue and let's talk about what if. Oh, what if? Are we done? No. Oh. Um, fuck. <laughs> hey, everybody! Thanks for tuning in for episode 183. Um, Django, is there any housekeeping we got to do before we get out of here? Well, we do a weekly book club uh, oh. that happens on
1: Monday at eight. We do it live in front of the entire internet on Facebook, uh, and you're welcome to join at some point
0: we might have too many people and I would, can you just watch from Facebook and not be in it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. You can watch it on Facebook on Mondays at eight. Uh, Wilson large has done that a few times and then uh, we archive it on Facebook. And eventually I remember that I forgot to archive it on YouTube and we hit the button and that goes live usually on Saturday or Sunday. Um, We also uh,
0: have another podcast that's coming up. If,
1: are, can, are my, we allowed to talk about yeah this let's
0: right? talk about this let's talk about it. okay so i think that if unless something goes wrong if you're listening to this podcast the day that it comes out on monday um the 15th according okay. to my calendar yep. um you will also be able to look up on your podcast feeds batman in quarantine and that is a podcast that i have been spearheading with Django and Justin and Roman in various incarnations, most reliably, Justin and I. Uh, and we are reading the entire Grant Morrison Batman run that is roughly 75 issues, and we're doing it issue by issue, and that will be coming out four times a week, Monday through Thursday. Uh, I can't wait to th-
1: listen to the episodes I wasn't on.
0: Listening
1: to you guys talk about that shit is going to be awesome.
0: There... It is a lot of fun to do. Um, I've had a, actually a blast mm-hmm. doing it and I kind of thought I was gonna be doing it mostly alone it, with occasional guest spots, but Justin basically was like, dude, I will do all of these with you. So uh, the first, in the first five, I think there's two that I do alone and then there hasn't been one since then. Um, but it is a lot of fun. And we just did the resurrection of Razal al Ghul as a giant thing. <laughs> And, and it's going to be yeah. four times
1: a week right like four. shortish sh- sh- what, what's the average length of one of those episodes well but that's hard to say because like not everybody is doing three to four hours of deliveries three days a week and has hit the end of the podcast universe like you have.
0: yeah and it is uh truly truly fun so batman in quarantine look for that i'll drop the first episode with justin and i onto this feed uh later on in this week but i would encourage all of you to check it out Um, if you do have a lot of time still, like we're fortunate, Django and I have been just working a bunch at the comic shop, but, um, if you are still, uh, with the gift of much time, Grant Morrison's Batman run has spoilers for Batman in quarantine, the podcast, but it is, we are all just massively in love with this run at this point. So, uh, everyone should grab a copy and read along at home and even I'm liking it.
1: And that's, that surprised me yeah it you guys are infectious you're like you're like a virus
0: we're like a virus and i think i think it i think justin and roman and i all have we fall into the category of irrationally fond of grant morrison mm-hmm. so i th- I think it is fun to listen to people who really like a thing
1: and also if you're listening to podcasts and need some more podcasts um our buddies. Um, Trevor and Roman and I think Colton's still doing it do Infinity Content which is another like uh, a tangential Comics Place podcast event that happens about once a month or once every six weeks where they do
0: a deep dive on some awesome story. Thank you uh, everyone for listening to episode 183. Do look at Batman in Quarantine if you've got the time. Django get us out of here. Jeff Jeff We're out of here. I'm Jeff, and we're out of here.
1: I'm Django, and we're out of here.
0: And I'm Jeff, and we're out of here.
1: I'm Jeff, and we're out of here.